The Dow tumbled more than 500 points after two pillars of the street tumbled over the weekend. Lehman Brothers, a 158-year-old firm, filed for bankruptcy. Here's one of their frequent scorers, Cerner. Through to Modric, who's very nimble. It's a glorious opening, and would you believe that? Another financial titan has fallen. This time, it's the alien British mortgage giant, HBOS, which owns Halifax Bank and the Bank of Scotland. Lloyds Bank agreed to take over HBOS, but that has put 40,000 jobs on the line. It's Dario Serna. Oh, brilliant save. Rush to as good as ever. Brought down by bad mortgage investments, Lehman, which has 25,000 employees, will be liquidated. I don't think anyone really expected a bank as big as Lehman to uh, you know, be in a position that it's in now. And we are going to have extra time here in Vienna. Croatia have missed the stack of chances. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Greatest Games podcast on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller. Opposite me, of course, is Jonathan Wilson. And in the studio with us today is Tarek Panja, reporter for the New York Times and co-author of Football's Secret Trade, How the Player Transfer Market Was Infiltrated. Tarek, a pleasure to have you with us. Really good to be with you, guys. Now, today we go back to Euro 2008, the quarterfinal between Turkey and Croatia. It ended 3-1 to Turkey on penalties after the match finished. 1-1. One, one. Tarek, why have you chosen this game? Um, well, I've covered a lot of games over the years professionally and that particular game uh, will live long in the memory, perhaps not for the football, we'll get, we'll get into it, it ended very dramatically, <laughs> but more from a professional perspective. My laptop was bouncing off the table for 120 minutes and more. <laughs> That's never happened before or since that moment. The atmosphere in that stadium with the Croatian fans and the Turkish fans, something that, that I've not experienced before. I've been to some, some pretty um, tasty games in Brazil and, and all around the world. But that, that game, I wasn't expecting it as well because I'd not seen much of Croatia or, or Turkey before. Mm. And, and I will always remember that match for, for more for the atmosphere than anything else and then the dramatic finish. And both sides didn't have that much pedigree. Well, obviously Croatia had reached the semi-final of the World Cup in '98, but they hadn't had that much longevity in tournaments previously. Yeah, and so t- one can feel of maybe they won't turn yeah, up in it, number. Yeah, it was, like, it was like yeah, and it also it felt like the other quarter-final with with these two teams that weren't fancied. Um, and also in that tournament, up until that game, Turkey were terrible. I think. Um, well, they were the, the comeback kings, weren't they? Absolutely. I think they'd only led for six minutes <laughs> That's right, yeah. um, throughout that tournament. And, and you know, and I, I suppose it kind of talks about the passion of the team in the sense we're talking about the passion of the fans as well. They just kept going yeah. and, and didn't know when they were beaten. Well, yeah, I mean, their grief stage, they, they lost the opening game 2-0 to Portugal. Then they beat Switzerland with a 90-second minute winner from Arda Turan. And then they came from 2-0 down with a quarter of an hour to go to beat the Czech Republic 3-2. Thanks to two of the worst errors you'll ever see from Petr Cech. Uh, so, you know, their, their presence there was, was astonishing. Uh, whereas Croatia, you know, I, I think um, you know, we'd seen them in, in qualifying you know, with England. They were obviously a decent side, uh, but they've been really, really good in the group stage. You know, three wins out of three, beating Germany. Yeah. I've uh, beaten Austria and Poland as well. but And it was a decent Germany side. It was rejuvenated oh, it was after the 2006 you know, the, World Cup. And, you know, the, the beginning of Yogi Löw's. Yogi Love. Um But yeah, I mean, what you're saying about it being the other quarterfinal, I went to the other three. I didn't go this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that was mainly... It's, it's a strange setup. They had uh, 
the quarterfinals were on four separate days, which I don't think they've Not done, done since. Yeah, and there was it was, so games one and three were in Basel, games two and four were in Vienna. This one was in Vienna, and this right, was so, the, that yeah. second one. So I, I went to the two Basel ones and mm-hmm. the second one in Vienna. It wasn't I was deliberately snubbing this game, but um, yeah, I, I, yeah, you're right. It was it, this was the game of Croatia, plucky outsiders, Turkey. What on earth are they doing there? It was a case of that. And also these, these really young Croatians who have grown to become some of the, the most sort of um, sought after, most popular players in, in recent time. We're talking about you know, Rakitic, yeah. Modric, etc. You're very young. Yeah, Modric still was playing in Croatia, wasn't he, at the time? Yeah, just transferred to Spurs after that tournament, I think. Yeah, right. I think yeah, I think the deal had either been done or was very close to being done. Um, Curious I mean, deal. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost like Stravko Mamic isn't necessarily doing it for footballing reasons. Yeah, I'll just remind you that, uh, you know, co-author of Football Secret Trade, how the player transfer market was infiltrated. <laughs> for another podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Rakitic was uh, Schalke, he was playing in Germany yeah. um, at, at, at the time. But it is interesting looking at some of those names. You mentioned Arda Turan as well, who th- th- these players went on to win sort of big league titles and play for some of Europe's elite most notably in Spain of course and Turkey in that game also had to I think had to recall uh, Rustu they did Rustu Reshba yeah because um, yeah, uh, Demiral had, had got himself sent off <laughs> yeah, right. you've just come from 2-0 down a quarter of an hour to go to beat the Czech Republic and I, I, I think I'm right in saying that had that game been a draw they would have finished with an absolutely identical record to the Czech Republic and would have gone out on the grounds they had a worse coefficient is that right? I I I I couldn't find confirmation about reading the rules of a tournament mm-hmm. and looking at the group. That's that's what I think was the case. Now I was at that game, uh, which was in Geneva, uh, and I don't really remember. I I remember writing a piece of the Czechs go through; they look really strong, and then I'm oh god, got to got to redo this, and yeah, Petr Czech just falling apart. That's why um, I remember that. Yeah, so. Uh, um, I can't remember what point I was making, but but yeah, incredibly mm-hmm. fortunate to be there. They were quite. Oh sport. yeah, sorry. So they, yeah, they 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 made this great comeback. They got this goal to go through. Yeah, and then a red card for like a ridiculous sort of mini assault in it was, deep it, in injury time. So pointless, and it put them, you know, in a sort of a slight disadvantage going into the Croatia game because they were missing one or two players. I mean, Emery, the captain, I think, was out for the game as well. Yeah, I think they managed to get. Colin Kazim Richards into the... He was there. The yeah, he was well, playing up front with Niha Kavecci. That's right. Uh, that's right. Tunchai Sanli playing just behind them as the, the playmaker. Mm. But you, when you're saying that, you know, why on earth were Turkey there? I mean, not that... Well, we would have been six years previously they reached a World Cup semi-final themselves. Yeah, so, so what I mean by that is just if you'd watched their three group games when they'd been behind for... Um, hang on, let's work this out. Uh, 264. <laughs> oh, they hadn't been behind for that, but they hadn't been in the lead for 264 or 270 minutes. <laughs> it was a little bit of a... How on earth has that happened? Mm. Well, they had this. They had this reputation, which of course would be fueled even more. And uh, I think actually, in the long term, it was. Um, I don't know. Maybe the people I know in Turkey have. I, you know, I realise that there are streams in Turkish football which lie quite a long way below the surface. It may just be the people I know in Turkish football mm-hmm. are preconditioned not to like Fatih Terim. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it sort of persuaded people that Fatih Terim's style of management is. His, his sense it's, it's all about character it's all about leadership it's all about guts it, it sort of reified in people's minds the idea that that was true which is a process German football had gone through in the 90s mm-hmm. and, and having to sort of accept that tactical things have happened that have changed 
Um, which is odd because you know, it was under Samuel Gunesh in 2002 when they got to the semi-finals and, and Gunesh has, has since come back and has made them a much more modern uh, pressing side. Mm. Uh, but I, I think there's definitely some sections of, of Turkish football think that Fatih Terim, great coach that he was, great motivator, great leader that he was, he actually held Turkey back and in a sense getting to the semi-final here wasn't necessarily the best thing for the long-term development of Turkish football. Then again, it's a semi-final of a major tournament. Yeah. There's not many countries that are in a position to be picky about that. What would you say national team football kind of... The, the, obviously, the tactical stuff is extremely important, but the fact that the players aren't with yeah. the coaching staff as long as a club team, do you think that kind of sort of visceral, nationalistic, come on, let's go and win this match, do you think some of that has a bigger impact in national team football versus a sort of a club season? or a European? Yeah, definitely. And, and also... Uh, I mean, for the precisely the reasons you lay out, yes, that, that it's not as tactically sophisticated, but also it is a country. So, with the best will in the world, if you just if you've moved to Manchester United for 100 million euros from Juventus, to, to take an obvious example, <laughs> 80 million pounds, whatever it was. Uh, I mean, maybe that's a bad example because Pogba obviously kind of came through United's youth ranks. But we take the point. If, if you're if you're like, you know essentially a mercenary who's been signed by a club. However much you enjoy the club and however much you, you sort of professionally do your duty and however much you sort of you want to do well for your teammates, it's not the same as you know, Croatia in 96, which I think is is probably the most uh, patriotically driven mm. team I sort of can remember watching. Of, you know, the way they belted out a national anthem. Two years after the war, that's certainly in your eyes has gained your country independence. And, and, and we're, we're sort of wearing that the you know the the the, the Sakas Nietzsche the the, mm-hmm. the checkerboard, which has been banned for years under 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 Tito. That that must be a feeling of extraordinary pride in the sense mm-hmm. you know the, the, the chant of Croatia fans, uh, "Oh boy, oh boy, so now it has a boy, you know, to battle, to battle, to battle for your nation." Mm. You know, it, it it it's it, it it is a sort of war by other means. That stuff matters in these. And it, it, it's you know if if. You know, well, it, it all, you know, it's easy to say all football should be 100% motivated all the time, but we all know from everything in our lives there's days when you, your days when you go to the gym and you feel it a bit more than, than other days. Yeah. Mm. Days when you play football on a Saturday sure. when you, you're prepared to take the wax and days when you're not. Mm. But I mean, to, to use a much softer example, you know, Southgate said in 2018, you know, he tried to instill it in the players, in the England players, this will be bigger than anything you do with your clubs. You know, trying to kind of get that idea of in a more kind of English way, that sort of nationhood. I mean, even the, I mean, at the time of recording, we're not sure when this podcast will be going out, but in the Six Nations, you know, um, Eddie Jones, the Aussie England manager, was saying that to try and instill that identity, that national identity in the England rugby team has been very difficult. Whereas Ireland, you know, they've got Bono coming in telling them what it is to be Irish and all this kind of stuff and so on and so forth. But these two sides, as you've mapped out very well there about Croatia and Turkey, very nationalistic nations. You, you, you... That's what you felt um, <clears throat> walking into that stadium. Just that—that that was the sense of of occasion. It wasn't. Yeah, it was the quarterfinal of of of, of a European championship. In a smaller tournament, then it, there was no second round. We should. There, there was there was no second round. But to be honest, it was a harder tournament. I would say. Oh harder, yeah. harder to get into the tournament itself. Yeah. And harder to get into the knockout. 
because as Turkey found, those group stage games are quite difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sometimes you need a helping hand, which they of course got from Czech. But, but you know, you, they're they're there, and then you get you get also the size of the um, the fan bases was enormous. Didn't, well, there's uh, a lot of Turkish immigration to Switzerland, uh, and it's yeah. close to Germany. That part. I of... mean, the game they play against Portugal. Uh, there's a lot of Portuguese immigration to Switzerland. So I didn't realise until well, Croatia. Well. Was that was that in Geneva as well? I can't remember. I remember kind of walking from the station, whichever mm. city that was to the ground for that, that Portugal-Turkey game. And it felt like every building had a flag of, of one or other yeah. nation. Well, um, of course, a lot of Turkish immigrants in Germany, and it's not that far. You felt that. There were, there, you know, this was a, a European game. And I, I was looking at, funny enough, the UEFA ticket sales for, for the, this tournament coming up, Euro 2020, and they, they, they do the breakdown for... Um, where the ticket buyers are for for each game, and it tends to be um, the the fans or the public. I wouldn't necessarily call them fans of either team, but the neutral fans from the host city, etc., are the majority. But if you were in that arena that day, I would. It was very hard to find a neutral. I mean, it, <laughs> but there's also I, I don't intense. I don't quite know to what extent this this sort of resonates among modern fans. But there is the historical aspect of. Yeah, you know, the, the Ottoman Empire had you know, controlled a lot, a lot of what became Yugoslavia, uh, and then Croatia had been part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire centre. Obviously, was in Vienna, so Vienna is sort of the perfect stage for this clash of the historical clash of East and West, for one of better terms. Is these these two nations have been rubbing up against each other in in in, you know, in various forms, and then play it in the Austro-Hungarian capital. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of it, it does have this historical resonance, and also with Fatih Turim and Slavon Bilic in charge. Yes, two, two very patriotic <laughs> yeah. and it really does very add, proud men. add to the whole thing. And, and you could have had a camera on just those two for that <laughs> game, and I don't think you'd have lost a viewer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just watching them was exhausting. Yeah, I'm sure. We'll get, we'll get on to what Bilic did a bit later on. It, it, indeed, we will. So, I mean, I don't think anybody. Was I mean, if you look at some of the other sides in, in the quarterfinals, people weren't talking about maybe these sides perhaps winning it, but Croatia were, were first. Well, I think Croatia, after the group stage, people... Yeah, but after the group stage, I think people had, had, had sort of realised Croatia were a properly decent side. I mean, they, yeah. they don't play Germany. They fully deserve to win that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fact they'd put England out in qualifying... Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were still... But, but some of those players that we talked about that, that have gone on and are still playing... Yeah. They were younger. They, they didn't have the names that they do now. Because you can you can think they do, looking back on it, because you recognise them. But mm-hmm. at the time, they were slightly under the radar. Well, maybe. But I mean... I, and again, maybe I'm in a slightly false position here. Because you know, I'd just written behind the curtain. I'd, I'd spent quite a bit of time with Billich. I'd watched this team quite a lot. Um, and I'd watched his under-21s quite a lot. So... I, yeah, people like Harry Redknapp, Nico Cranshaw. Um, yeah, Modric obviously was the star of the team. The Kovac brothers were, you know, were really good players. Darius Serna. Darius Serna, who's playing on the right wing in this game, you know, yes. before he went back. Well, because he was yeah, a fantastic yeah, yeah. cross of the ball, which people forget. But I always think of him as a, as a defender. Yeah. Um, well, there was a chap who um, had the kidney transplant as well, right? Petric. Oh, so, yeah, he came yeah. off the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They were I mean, like they, to play they, for Fulham. Yeah, they had a lot. Of, they, there was a lot of. And he now that, is the main sort of co-commentator on German TV on the Premier League. Weirdly, well, there you are. Well, a couple of seasons at Fulham would do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, his Hamburg side were beaten there in the semi-final of the Europa. You see, turn up to the fortress, you know, <laughs> and all the rest of it. Um, all right, gentlemen. Well, let's have a quick break, and then we'll, we'll talk about the game itself. Modric is over there. The keeper's out. The cross is forthcoming. Classic. 
it's him again. It's Ivan Klasnic who sends Croatia surely into the semi-finals of the European Championships. Welcome back to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. Now then, uh, so to the quarterfinal itself. So yes, under under Fatih Tarim Turkey and under Slavovic Croatia, of course, they, they, they face off. I mean, you said there in the first half that you spent a bit of time with, with Bilic and so on. What did you make of him? Because this season, again, at the time of recording, his West Brom side are doing pretty well. But as a manager, I, I, I'm guessing that people would think, you know, probably has his limitations and he's, he's a bit about motivating and blood guts and Yeah, thunder. I mean, I think that's slightly unfair. Uh, and I think his reputation in England um, has sort of gone that way because of the way things sort of fell apart in that final season at West Ham. Mm-hmm. And I, I know he has had failures in his career. I mean, he didn't have a great time when he went to Russia. Um, but I, I, I think he's in, well. He's incredibly good company, uh, which doesn't necessarily make you a good manager, but it makes me yeah. better disposed towards you. Um, <laughs> he, I mean, that that team was beautifully balanced. Yeah. Uh, that you know, you had had Rakitic on the left, who naturally cut inside. And then a very attacking left back in, in Daniel Pranic, who maybe not the greatest technician, but a great engine. So you know he, he could get down the outside, which then creates space for Rakitic to come inside. Olic, the hardest working centre forwards in the world. Uh, Cranshaw, which sort of balances out Cranshaw, who is sort of a languid number ten. Mm. Uh, Sienna, a great yeah, Sienna, a great cross of the ball. Uh, Niko Kovac, a naturally sort of defensive midfielder with, again, incredible engine, mm-hmm. which allows you to play Modric in a, in a slightly freer, more number 10 role. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was, it was nice a, to see Vedran Chorluka's name as well. Yeah, but and, and again, sort of a solid figure who who allows Serna to push on and get the crosses in. He's, mm. Serna's not having to do much tracking back because he you know, he, he knows that Chorluka's there. And it also means that back you know, the back four, the, the, the three of them who aren't Pranic can shuffle across yeah. to cover when Pranic goes forward. So the balance of it... Uh, yeah, I think he's really nice. Now it might be Bilic is lucky to inherit that, but I, yeah, I think you've got to, you've got to give him some credit for for the way he put it together. We, we also take for granted, I think now because it's just we see it every team, you know, down the leagues that your fullbacks are going to be bombing on um, and part of the attacking phase. But I think that tournament with Cerna with Croatia and it was Rats with Romania. I remember talking to you about it during the tournament. Actually, it 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 was it wasn't as of course, that's what fullbacks do. Uh, and Philip Lamb was just coming through with Germany as well. Yeah, I remember. I remember the piece. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, it was. It was it, for me. It was. Um, it was eye catching, and and you know, it, it, it's such an added dimension if, if you have those players. Mm. When you have you know traditionally conservative um, fullbacks, etc. You know, you almost have extra players on the field, and they, yeah. those those teams in particular. In that tournament, I remember Rats Romania, Rats of Romania and um, and and Serna with, with Croatia. Well, no, Pranic because Serna was playing for in playing midfield, so Pranic was a Croatian who was getting forward. behind. Yeah, uh, you know that that tactic. You know, we see with Alexander Arnold, everybody at Robertson. It's like, oh, it's just happened this season or something. I mean, yeah. well, and then Rats and Serna end up playing together as very attacking fullbacks at Shakhtar. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, that 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 for me, and also also was very kind of positive, wasn't it? The way the Croatia approached the game, it wasn't um, a stodgy. Yes, yeah, I mean they were they were great fun to watch, and, and yeah, one of the one of the things I think we saw in this tournament. I mean, it it, it was it it was the the tournament when forty three won. You know, totally replaced four four two as being mm. the default formation. I think Yogi Lerf might even change during mm. the tournament. Uh, they they beat they beat Portugal three two in the quarterfinal, that's, that's and nice. I, I think that was the sort of a key game that although Germany sort of end up winning that game, they, they sort of realised the, the balance that a forty three one gives you in terms of allowing dribblers into the side. And I think to an extent they got away with it because of Schweinsteiger and, and his incredible ability to get up and down and. Um, yeah, I think one of the reasons we've seen the, you know, the traditional three bands of you know four four two moving to more and more to four bands to forty three one is just that to have the energy to play as a as a box to box player. Is there's a tiny number of footballers who are capable of doing that now, and actually those who can often look slightly out of place, but people don't quite know where mm-hmm. to put them. And Pogba, I think, is a good good example of that. Jordan Henderson, to an extent, is a, is a is mm-hmm. a slightly different example of that. Um, Rondasari Kanto was perhaps. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think you know Kanto had never really had the, the the creative or technical quality to to play further forward. Mm. But but yeah, I mean, he's yeah, he's an example of a holding player who was able to play that box to box role mm. as well because mm-hmm. of his his but, engine. But you would have thought you'd you'd keep him in the position where he is world class, though. I didn't know it's that. certainly what I'd have done. But anyway. <laughs> um, uh, um, so it was it was significant from that point of view, but it was also. I think Modric's role in this tournament and in what that meant for football going forward was was really striking. And I remember writing a piece about this as well. Modric's ability to take the ball in a half turn. And so you, you look at him and he's, you know, Barney Rono's great phrase. He looks like a little boy dressed as a witch. He's, <laughs> yeah, he just looks like he should be bullied. Mm. You know, he, he looks like a footballer who yeah. will not hack it at the highest level because yeah. he's not strong enough. And yet his touch and his movement was good enough but he got away from defenders. But I think what we also saw was partly down to law changes, the, you know, the the um, crackdown on on intimidatory tackling, but also changes in the offside law, which meant teams were much less inclined to to play a permanent high offside line. So rather than teams effectively playing ten yards either side of halfway and the game being compressed in that sort of twenty twenty five yard space, they had to sit deeper because mm-hmm. you could go behind that line and you might not be called offside. Yeah, you might be deemed not to be interfering. So teams naturally sat deeper. That that um, increases the the length of the playing area to 45, 50, 60 yards. Mm. Suddenly the space for little players. What happens the following season? Barcelona with a load of little players play the best <laughs> football we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and and the rest is history. But in Turkey, what, how, did, how did you feel about the Turkish side, Tarek? I mean, did you, we mentioned Rustu was, was brought in, the 35-year-old veteran. Uh, just, just through sheer will. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we, we've gone through all this sort of. Um, I was going to say rather different to Croatia. We're Croatia. I mean, to to me, it was it was again this 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 team that is one with its flag, with its country, and it came into this tournament and it didn't give up. I, I you know, if you were going to name a team of the tournament, it'd be very hard to find a Turkish player. And I, you know, uh, you know, it's obviously disrespectful to the players, maybe, but maximum respect to to the country and to the team. For creating that collective that mm. that managed to 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 sort of go to the semi-finals um, and and let's not forget that they they almost they almost did it again. I know, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Against Germany, they got battered and it was raining and 
Well, I, I, yeah, because I was I was watching that in a bar in Vienna, mm. and the weather was so bad that the the transmission went down. That's right. So we were sitting in this bar with all these <laughs> all these German fans fuming at this kind of blank TV <laughs> because you know it's incredible storms and uh-huh. half of yeah half of. Um... Uh, Austria and part of Switzerland lost um, it, its um, television signal that night. <laughs> it's not what you so want. So it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't. Great. I mean, the, the, you one, can't even, the one player who you can't might... even blame ITV for that. <laughs> <can you? laughs> the one player who Go on. might have got into a team of a tournament from Turkey is, is Arda Turan. Uh, the, you know, I think you could see because uh-huh. they, they sort of played a diamond. He was on the left side of the diamond, yeah. but got forward, mm-hmm. and you could see his quality and you see his class. But then, yeah, getting in ahead of those Spain players in midfield is exactly. very tricky. But in in the game, I mean, the, the game starts and Croatia are on the front foot, and they, I mean, really from start to finish with the better side. Well, that chance after twenty minutes, oh. when yeah, Modric gets down the right, puts in a low cross, Olic six yards out. He couldn't do it again. It, it scored like ninety nine times out of hundred. That ball goes. Yeah. it's harder to hit the bar. Yeah, than, than, and then, then Cranshaw, a bit sort of surprised, his balls bounce back at him, just uh-huh. sort of nods it slightly tamely over. Uh-huh. When he actually had a load of time, he could have sort of mm. taken it down. Or yeah, you know. it wasn't a good game though. It, it wasn't. Um, Croatia were were um, objectively like watching it. They were they were better. But this this was a bit of a pig of a game. It was um, for 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 much of this context a contest, um, partly perhaps because of the um, you know the status quarter final one win away from the semi two wins away from a final that pressure etc the atmosphere I described to you to, to you there you know they they just need to win um, Turkey weren't much of an attacking force if if anything. Um, until they went behind, and, until until they <laughs> yeah. were, until they really had to do something, yeah. <laughs> you know. And uh, uh, you know, we had that shot against the bar, and then the game kind of drifted. Well, there's a Cerner free kick late on, which Rusu makes a. De- I mean, it's not a brilliant save, it's a he, decent save. He's got a lot of hair, and he had the, those the, the little black NFL Shivnoin uh, Chandler. Yeah. Chand- <laughs> he didn't have it for that game. <laughs> you know, Disappointingly, he, when I watched the dramatic back. figure. So, oh, I, he, I think any a, save. He played a few games for Barcelona. You know, I mean, he, he was a high-profile keeper. Cost a lot of money. He did, and. 120 international caps he finished with yeah. so it's, it's a respectable player but it is odd because he has the vibe of a kind of perennial sort of third choice goalkeeper if you like uh, you know a bit he's of got a, a show reel let's put it that way <laughs> <laughs> not, yeah, not for the, all the right reasons right. of course um, but, but yeah very charismatic goalkeeper but the atmosphere did the atmosphere stay like that for the 120 minutes that, that, that's why I, I kind of picked this game when, when Jonathan Coleman asked me you know what, do you want to do this yeah because um, like I said, I've seen a lot of football. Um, I, I remember going to the to the Belo Horizonte derby, uh, Cruzeiro Atletico Mineiro, um, 2015, something like that. That was pretty pretty um, hot as an atmosphere. You know, it was it was really um, something, but it just didn't touch this thing. And again, the other thing, this is in a UEFA yeah. sanitized environment. <laughs> You know, with that mile cordon that they put in, you know, you could put a these, very neutral stadium. Yeah, very, very. You you could put these World Cup and Euro games on the moon, and essentially it would be the same. You know, atmosphere, <laughs> the same. You know, walk through the sponsors bit, and then you know the coke, the thing. Um, can everyone please sit down? No, that didn't work at this game. And, you know, it, <laughs> it, 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 it was very, very different to, to anything I've seen. Been to a, um, covered a few tournaments, mm. fairly significant games. And and this this was very different and 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 it really does stand out. It stands out also because I think it it almost speaks to something that is largely gone in terms of 
um, sort of top tier tournaments that, that are organized by UEFA or FIFA, etc. Um, and, and probably um, games in 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 in, the, in leagues like the Premier League, for example, because and I guess there's lots of good reasons for doing this. Are, are the regulations in terms of safety and 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 all and all the and, and all the other and all the other modern um, aspects of of being a football supporter? This just felt like something else. Mm. But also, in the Partick Stadium is a great stadium. Yeah, it's a it's a great historic place. The fact it's it's in the you know the the, the part the Prato the, the the park with the the famous Ferris wheel the you know the, uh, the Ferris wheel and the third man you know, when you go to that ground it feels kind of you feel like you, it's a bit you know it's it's like what I imagine going to Wembley should have been going to mm. Wembley is not like that anymore mm. but of, of sort of a sense of kind of history happened here and history can still happen here it's happening like yeah. watching it you know and they 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 you know it was it was very. <laughs> It was very weird because the game was really bad. Meanwhile, as you said, was it like that for the whole game? It was. And again, coming back to modern football, these days with ticket prices and everything else, I suppose the the fans, if they're not not not, I don't want to say all fans, but you know, fans if they're not getting a show, they tend to quieten down or complain or or, or, or whatever do a Mexican wave or, or, or wait for the camera so they can wave at it no this was this was just intense but it also the two sides you can't under, underplay that very sort of nationalistic countries and you've you've mapped it out previously whereas perhaps if it was you know two other nations it, it might not have stayed like that for the 120 minutes so I mean we might as well fast forward to the last minute of extra time right. <laughs> yeah so well 118th minute I, okay. think, I think is officially when it happens right. so there's a ball down the right uh, Rustu gets lured from his goal. Yeah, he's never going to get there. It's an oh, awful Rustu, decision. Rustu. Uh, Modric gets there first, and then has the sort of calmness and presence of mind to to to, to put in a decent cross. And uh, Klasnic just substitutes, heads it in, one nil. Not the most convincing of header, but it did the job. Yeah, I have to say, I had to watch the replay four or five times to work out quite how the uh, ball had gone in. Yeah. I kind of... <laughs> Nerves were jangling. But it's Just gone in, it in and yeah. there's maybe 90 seconds left. And would it be fair to say Bilic enjoyed it? <laughs> that was one of the best things. So he's in this suit, this grey grey suit. Yeah, He's got his tie on and it was raining. Yep. It was raining that night. It was raining quite hard that night. That tournament, in fact, there was a lot of rain throughout that <laughs> entire Euro. That's one of my... I remember that. And he ran. He did a Mourinho... That Mourinho did against United, but with even more passion, his his players ran to the to the to the corner flag to the left, and he's got and he's done this dive. He's 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 covered in gets up. He's in this he's in this this sort of gaggle of players. He then gets up. I've got another two minutes to manage my national team. I'm going to go back to my. But he's sodden. Yeah. <laughs> this suit is covered in mud and grass <laughs> or whatever. And then you're going to have to win, right? If that's happened, yeah. if you're that wet. And you've just done that. You're going to have to win the game. It's only a minute to go. Nothing's they, they, going to go they wrong. They know that it's Germany in the semis. They've already beaten Germany. Absolutely. They know they've got Germany's number. Yep, completely. We've done it. it. <laughs> it's a bit like when when Spurs played Ajax away in the Champions League semi final the other year, and Pochettino, you know, this outpouring of emotion. And I remember Ajax like having a throw in deep in Spurs, <laughs> and I'm thinking, if they, I don't know what's going to happen to this individual, you know. But of course, we saw it happen to Billich. That they, they went mad. They were the better side. Um, there was no chance. I mean, you score in the 118th minute, you say 90 seconds left. You're within your rights to think job done. Yeah. And then, of course... Yeah, all you got to do is kill the game. Make, yeah. make a substitution. Yep. 
Run the ball in the corner. What an all all turkey. Kick, kick the ball at the Croatia fans in the crowd. <laughs> let them keep it. Yeah, I was going to say they'll help you there. But but then all that's left of the game is it's a free kick inside Turkey's half. Rustu takes the free Just kick. Obviously, the only thing it. you can do whack it forward into the box. Hope something happens. Shimanich goes for it. Yeah. Bang! <laughs> Shimanich inadvertently nodded down to Shemi Shenturk. Oh, and clean strike, you're going to see bang. A once in a generation strike. <laughs> and again, you can imagine the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> you had that a minute ago. Those guys have gone nuts, and these guys have gone nuts. And, yeah. And poor, poor old Billich's face. And then, and then the game just ends. I think it may have been the last kick of the game. I think it might have been. And then it was extraordinary watching it well, at it home. It is I the kind of thing a referee like would do, right? Of kind of you know, let them take the free kick when the ball's in the air. I'll blow my whistle. Except, oh, he's. Yeah, okay, it's going towards the box. I suppose I better let them clear it. Uh, oh, okay. But it was it was extraordinary to see that that emotion, that raw emotion outpouring, and then to be completely wiped away. And then, but but the thing is, no one's won the game. You've still got this penalty shootout to come, and you could see that really in that moment, Croatia were defeated. Yeah. I think Bilic pretty much said that after the game, didn't he? That the the ecstasy of of scoring the last minute winner to go through in a quarterfinal yeah. of a major tournament, and then for that to be cancelled out while you're while you're still buzzing from that emotion. It's not like it was. I don't know, maybe five minutes later, where you've got time to bite your nails and think, can we hang on? Ah, oh, we haven't. It was it was such a flick of the switch. I don't yeah, think I've seen anything like it. Yeah, and there's no time to mentally reset, to, to knock, knock the ball about the back and kind yes. of compose yourself, straighten the penalty shootout. Yeah. And Modric and Rakitic, probably the technically two best players on the mm, team, right. both don't even hit the target. Yeah. And then Petric's penalty saved and uh-huh. it's all over. Well, interestingly, the, 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 the goal that Croatia scored had equaled the previous record... Uh, first set in 1976 for the for the, the latest goal scored in European Championship history, the and short, then of course the, short, the shortest lived record on, in football. Well, it must probably, be right. Well, it, it equaled the record, so I suppose right. yeah, but it, yeah. So you're sort of half right there, and then of course it was it was outrightly broken, you know, a minute or, or however long it was later, which was you know, and and I mean after the game, I I don't know what was going through Billich's mind. To be fair, he he's. I watched rewatched an interview with him after. I mean, he's obviously he's like being hit by a truck. Yeah, he's 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 he's, he's, he's actually talked quite fluently about about mm. this. I you know he's I, in a state of shock though, probably. And he 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 kind of sums it up in in a way that you know is cliche, but God, this is football. Yeah, <laughs> you know, this. This can't happen. It mm. poor fellow, it happened to him. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, you know, and he said, you know, this, this proud of the team and all the, all the rest of it. But what can he say? I mean, yeah, like literally, that that is the most shocking thing that <laughs> will happen to him in his career, mm. and it, you're going to have to sort of get on with it. Yeah, well, um, rather different to Fatty Terum, who proclaimed after the match, "We have become one of the great footballing nations. Our people can rejoice." <laughs> Oh, there you go. I, that, that, I mean, that's that's. Does, does that speak to the man, Terim? Would you say, Jonathan? Yeah, and well, I mean, I would guess as well with Terim that uh, it would, to an extent, have rankled that he that somebody else had taken Turkey further than he had yeah. in a major tournament, right? And now he matched what Guinness had done in uh-huh. in two thousand and two. Yeah, but did it in much more memorable. Sure. Fashion. Well, I doubt we'll be doing a greatest game on whoever they beat in the quarterfinal. Was Senegal? Senegal. Yeah. yeah, they beat. Yes. Yeah. 
Did they beat Japan? No, Senegal beat Japan. Yeah, I forget who they played in the second round in O2, but yeah, I think it was Senegal. They were. Yeah, so I, I'd be surprised. We'll, we'll have to do this for a few more years. We'll Maybe we will. Maybe we will. But they, of course, they lost to Brazil in the semi-final 1-0 in 2002, but it was a much more entertaining game that they lost to Germany. And as you I say... I wouldn't know. I was watching a blank telly <laughs> in a bar in Vienna. Well, but as you say, Tarek, you know, they were 2-1 down. Rustu made an error for that second. Rare, rare error. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, right. Because he was the hero in the penalty shootout. Yeah, well, that's Although, what these, these keepers do that, don't they? I mean, it's like, it's typical, it, isn't it? Like, well, his, his mistake, you know, in the in the 118th minute or whatever it was in extra time, and then the penalty shootout, yes, Modric and Rakitic put theirs wide, but he still saves from Petric to, to seal the win. And then in the next round... They, um, I think they went 1-0 up against Germany then they 2-1 down and closer scored a header and it was his error but then they equalised with a few minutes left you think oh here we go again but Philip Lahm gave them a taste of their own medicine with a 90th the minute winner they've got it in the locker but, but what, what, what I wanted to ask you guys about that, that game and the, the atmosphere that I, I talked about how much do you think that you know in, in, in today's game how much does that help having your that, that crowd because we've seen like, for oh, example Liverpool do. It Liverpool, Barca, all these. What, well, what, what is that? Well, evidently, in that game, cancelled each other. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but well, again, just in terms of you know, being prepared to push yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, when people say, it's just one of my real bugbears, and people, people who say, oh, you've got to give 100% every game. Those people have never given 100% because no. you can't do it. It's no. not possible to do it because it's so exhausting and so painful especially you know if you then end up not winning the thing m- most players if they're giving 85 90 percent that's fine that's that's a normal thing but obviously if you've got a crowd and you, you're mm. you're sort of aware of the potential to be a hero if you're aware of how much it matters oh yeah it does take away some of those little little niggles that might be holding you back it does sort of focus you so yeah I think it must make a difference and some players will be the opposite they'll freeze in that kind of environment but panic a little but it makes you wonder why 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 talk about club teams I suppose why the ownership of these teams doesn't do more to create fortress type atmosphere. There's things you can do. Like you don't need to have, I don't know, 80 pound tickets, et cetera. Cause you, you you're yeah, but do, do you want to win the game or do you want to make money? Well, and, and there lies yeah. the problem. You're, people who are making that kind of atmosphere, I'm popping out for 25 minutes to buy the eight pound slice of pizza. Yeah. But you know, do you want to be in the Champions League or do you, do you not? You know, all, 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 these, all these, all these little things make, but which um, is, which is why then, because you're talking about all that international football could be the arena for this. If you well, could, except international football was even more sanitised. Well, than... no, but the, but the home games though, the, the, in international football. Well, yeah, okay. But, but you've you've got perhaps more of a chance, but but this got, is why this different was challenges. But you, this yeah. is why this because this was in a sanitised. Yeah. Well, they they tried to make it as sanitised <laughs> as possible, but they didn't bargain on the Croatians in terms. No. I guess right, creating. But yeah, I think yeah. I, if my memory serves me correctly, there was a bit of crowd trouble beforehand. I think. Yeah, and that's where again, that's where. The, that's where it's hard for me to sort of, um, you know, completely advocate for this stuff because as I was saying to you guys beforehand, I don't speak Turkish or Croatian. So I, I was loving the atmosphere and I thought this is magnificent, but I haven't got a clue what they were saying. Mm. So, um, you know, yeah, I guess I guess there is a there is a limit to, 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 to what, what can and cannot be done in a football stadium. But I, I would say anything that, you know, within the law and everything else to, to sort of boost your team and to mm. also... Also for viewers at home and everything else, uh, you know, this is the issue Serie A has got with its TV rights, for example. It, it's struggling to sell um, high-value TV rights because the pictures of their stadiums are of you know banks of empty seats and nobody there and and, and some. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, last year. Hang on, do I mean last year? No, I mean the year before last. 
uh, you, know, you know the the River Boca uh, Libertadores final that mm. was end up being abandoned. Yeah. Uh, the day before that, I, I was over there um, and spoke to Alejandro Dominguez, the head of Commonball, of whom there are many things one could say. But he, in terms of marketing, he, you know, he he's a smart bloke. And he was saying, look, what, what we in South America have is we have this great atmosphere, we have this mm-hmm. great colour. Our problem is, can we have that without violence? Yeah. yeah. And 24 hours later, you got you the got answer. answer. Yeah. Absolutely. It's very, very difficult. Mm, indeed. Tarek, it's been a pleasure uh, unpacking that game uh, for us, uh, considering what a drab game it was for about 119 minutes. But of course, from the, the vantage point, you had maybe not so because of the fans. But yeah, really great. Thank you very much Thank for coming you. on. Most exciting, boring game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. Well, for more stories like that, do check out the blizzard.co.uk, uh, of course. Um, but yeah, thanks, Tarek. Thank you, Jonathan, as always. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week, of course, with another great game on the Football Ramble Daily which is the greatest games podcast in association with the Blizzard see you next week the moment they'll never forget and that's it Turkey go through and quite incredibly Rushdu the 35 year old goalkeeper is their hero This was a Stakhanov production.